and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode nine of the podcast. What an incredible round of matches we had this week. There were some extremely close games and several huge top of the table clashes. It was such a good one. Coming up on today's show, we'll be bringing you our three word summaries of each of the matches, as well as revealing our games of the round and our players of the round and highlighting some of the key talking points from this week. We'll also be chatting with our very special guest, Leila Gusguth, a little bit later on in the episode. Each week of the podcast, we bring you an interview on an exciting topic from the world of netball. But this week, we're doing something a little bit different. Today, we're taking an in-depth look into Leila's life as an international netball star and getting to know more about the journey that has led her to where she is today. Amazing. How exciting. Before we kick off with our summaries, we've been asked to do a cheeky little shout out by Natalie Pepperell to Ottery St. Mary, who started their Back to Netball sessions this week. Hope you had a cracking time, guys. It's amazing to see Community Netball back. So whoop whoop. Right, Luce, take it away with the first game around nine. The first game we had Thunder versus Lightning. And for this one, big thank you to Sarah Dodd on Twitter who said, there's the champions. It was a fantastic display from Thunder, particularly in the second and final quarter and saw them dominate Lightning with a statement performance. We saw some big quarter swings in this game, including a huge 17 to nine final quarter, similar to the Rhinos Thunder game. And the Thunder shooters were extremely accurate, firing at 93%. Next up, we had Stars versus Dragons, and I've gone for Get It Done. Despite a surge from Dragons in the third quarter, which they won by two, Stars were able to finish the job and put this game to bed. Stars are finding their stride a bit more in this game, particularly defensively, picking up 18 turnovers to Dragons 9, and D. Bolacoro was eight of these. Dragons had a massive 53 penalties in this game, and unfortunately, Rebecca Robinson was missing for patches of the game, only shooting at 50%. Next up, we had Pulse versus Wasps. And for this one, I said, combos are key. It was all about the units in this game and Wasps showed their composure and experience to take a pretty convincing win. The combination between Huckle and Williams is lethal. They had 10 turnovers between them and are both sitting in the top five for turnovers across the league. With Katie Harris shooting 100% at halftime, there wasn't much that Pulse could do to stop them. The London side was still plagued by their attacking woes, but the combination between Radaman and Tashin proved promising as they won the second half of the game by one goal. Following that game, we had Mavericks versus Bath. And thank you very much, Flory Jones on Insta, going Bath shooter shutdown. This was a cracker of a game. The duo of Corbin in goal shooter and Venter in goal attack was just unstoppable. And despite an early injury to Razia Kwashi, Mavericks really pulled it out of the bag and delivered our first big season shocker. First up on Monday, it was Stars versus Pulse. And for this one, I said, let's get physical. 
<laughs> this was a must-win game for both sides, with London Pulse coming out on top, despite racking up 19 unforced errors. The biggest stat to come out of this game, though, was the penalties, with Pulse clocking up 58 penalties in this game, and 20 of these belonging to player of the match, Hallie Adio. This sparked an interesting post-match interview from Melissa Bessel, which we'll touch on a bit later on in this episode. Mm. Last game of the round was Mavericks versus Thunder, and I've gone for Thunder clap back. Manchester <laughs> Thunder totally dominated in this game. At credit to massive defensive pressure and some seriously sharp shooting. Mavericks, unfortunately, weren't able to replicate their success from the day before and the combinations that had gelled so well for them previously and will be quite disappointed after such a heavy defeat. Moving on to our games of the round. So, Lucy G, I wonder which one (laughs) you've gone for this week. I'm so glad that I shotgunned this one. Sorry, Luce. (laughs) Absolutely fuming. It will be no surprise to anyone that I've gone for the Mavericks bath game. Jeez, Louise, this was a corker. This is hands down, without question, the best performance that we have seen from Mavericks to date. Mm. This was the Mavericks team that I think we all expected pre-season when looking at the calibre of the players that they have in their roster. And in this game, they met every expectation that I had ever had of them. They're incredible. Every single person on court was a real standout. And when you've got all seven players firing on all cylinders, you're you're just going to be unstoppable. I do think that Kadeen Corbin, Sasha Corbin and Jodie Gibson in particular were just exceptional. Hmm. I, I also, I don't think it was a case of Bath playing poorly that got Mavs the win. I think that Bath might not have been at their absolute best. I think that was clear. But it was actually the excellence of Mavs on that day that beat them. Mm. And I, I did think that when Raz went down, this would potentially throw Mavs off their game. But they just showed real composure and resilience. And they managed to keep the same intensity even in her absence. I really loved Kadeen Corbin in goal shooter. And I said this in a previous episode that this is my preferred position for her. And this game demonstrated precisely why I really like her in that shooter position rather than goal attack. Touching on Bath a little bit, this is the only time that Bath have failed to reach double digits in their quarter scores for two quarters of the game, hitting just eight goals in quarter two and quarter four. And interestingly, it's the first time that Bath have been behind at half time. So it would be great to see in future games their ability to come back from behind at the half. This was definitely their biggest test to date. And, you know, they fared extremely well, all things considered, only losing the game by one goal. So overall, I think it was just epic. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't believe this game when we were watching it. I mean, our notes for this game are just crazy. (laughs) We just said things like, what a showtime game. This game is so intense. Wow, this Mavs team came to play. Just carries on like that. And at one point I've written Gus Goth with about 14 H's at the end. I could not cope during this game. And I thought, like you, when Quashi went down, that, you know, that would have a real impact. But I actually found that it really galvanized the Mavericks team and they were able to put out performance with two unforced errors. Mm. I mean, after all we've been saying about them so far this season, you know, to 
to put a game out against a team like Bath with two unforced errors is phenomenal. Yeah, just immense. Cracking game. So which game have you gone for, Luce? So I've gone for Mavericks versus Thunder because Mm. I think this is a really interesting one, especially following on from what we've just been talking about. Jess Thurlby summed this up quite well afterwards. I think she just said, what a difference a day makes. Mm. Mavericks were totally outclassed by Thunder and it was a pretty big 22 goal defeat in the end. And this is considering the fact that the day before they'd beaten Bath, who beat Thunder previously a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, both sides were coming off a win and it was more obvious, I think, in this game that Quashi was absent. Mm. They weren't able to create the turnovers that you need against such a tenacious Thunder side and only had two intercepts to Thunder's seven. In contrast, Thunder just looked pretty brilliant, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. They were just great. I mean, their, their midcourt was just settled down. I am loving O'Hanlon in wing attack. I actually wrote down in my notes, O'Hanlon spicy during this game. Uh, Her ball control is insane. She is often handling that ball with one hand better than most people can with two. (laughs) And I just could not believe the calmness and composure from the shooters as well. But I wanted to highlight something from this game. So turnovers converted in the first half, right? Thunder had eight from 12, which is pretty good. You know, Mm. eight from 12. Mavericks, four from eight. So not only were they not getting those turnovers, they were also throwing the ball away like we saw from them in the early rounds. 12 unforced errors in this game. Maybe that's to do with the impact of such a tough game previously, but Thunder had also played lightning. So, you know, it's it's difficult to say really. But yeah, Thunder defense, immense. Kerry Almond, six deflections, amazing. Elia McCormick, um, hi. Just bursting onto the scene. Literally, couldn't believe it. Yeah, she was fantastic and airy when she came on, just outstanding. And it was really clear early on that that Venter-Corbin combination wasn't working as well as it did the day before. And Mm. then they obviously brought on Britt Clark, who I thought was really did a solid job, but Mavericks were just on the back foot and then Thunder had their tails up and you couldn't couldn't make a difference after that point and they actually lost all four quarters by six by four by one and by 11. Thunder seem to be dominating those final quarters at the moment which sets them up really nicely going into the second half of the season. Yeah it's it's a really interesting game particularly when you look at that contrast and I have been skeptical of Caroline O'Hanlon in that wing attack position I will admit Mm. but I completely agree she just absolutely smashed it in this game and yeah real standout it was um, a really interesting one. Yeah definitely setting us up nicely can't wait to see when these guys match up again in a few weeks. So moving on to our players of the round, this week I've gone for Amy Flanagan. Mm. I think she's just such an unassuming player. She's really quiet, really understated, and actually I think a bit underrated as well. Tams has actually said it before uh, that she could have easily have been a stalwart within the Roses setup. She mm. could have been part of that program for years. I just think she has a great willingness to let the ball go and the mm. speed at which she lets the ball go. 
in you know this round it didn't give pulse much time to interfere whereas sometimes there was a slightly slower feed or maybe a bit of hesitation from Kandapa which allowed Zara Everett and and Adio to come in and steal that ball Mm. the timing on her drives are just brilliant it made the whole of Wasps look so much more fluid than they have done in some previous games this season there was this one bit I think it was towards the end of the second quarter where she came I swear to god it was from about halfway down the court with this screaming intercept from absolutely nowhere and landed herself perfectly on the edge of the circle it was just absolutely pinpoint and beautiful to watch she's a great player yeah, agreed on all counts. I think the move <laughs> uh, to have her in centre has been inspired from Mel Mansfield. Yeah. I think she just brings that real calmness, but also she can turn it on suddenly. It's that mm. it's that control, I think, probably is the main thing that sticks out in her game because she can do those fast feeds, those big like lobs into the circle, but she also can do that patient build up and really bring that calming influence in the Wasps midcourt. Mm. Who have you gone for, Liz? So this week I have gone for Zara Everett. So oh, a yeah. shout out needs to go to Elia McCormick, who we discussed, who was a close runner-up. Also, O'Hanlon had a great week. But I just mm. think Zara is, similarly to Amy, very unassuming, but such a talented defender. And I think she shows a lot of maturity for such a young player. She's only 20, which is insane. Wow. I mean, we think that about most of the Pulse players. We're just constantly like, wow, how young is she? <laughs> She had two intercepts, four deflections and four turnovers against Wasps, which is a pretty solid game. And she works Mm. very well in that pulse defensive unit, particularly at wing defense or goal defense. I think she's very versatile in that respect. And then she backed it up with another fantastic game against Stars, two defensive rebounds, two intercepts, four deflections. And in most of this game, Pulse looked like they were really enjoying themselves. And that's brilliant. That's Mm. exactly what we want to see. There's that real kind of harmony and connection in that defensive end. And I think the sort of personality that Zara Everett brings to the court is really influential in that. She's also a consistent ball winner and her read of the game is fantastic. She seems to just come from Mm. absolutely nowhere and then boom, she's all over it. She's also pretty calm with the ball in hand, which is great for Pulse. She's got the height, she's six foot and she's speedy as well. She's a demon. So I think she's really owning that goal defense position at the moment. And considering the competition for places in the Pulse back line, that is impressive. Mm. So yeah, great weekend for the youngster. And I think she's only getting started. Yeah, completely agree. And I think that whole defensive back line for Pulse is just so impressive. And I think someone alluded to it in commentary. It, It doesn't matter what combination they put together. Every combination is just seamless and they are such ball winners. And yeah, she had a real standout weekend. So good, good choice, Luce. Thanks. So there are a couple of talking points that we wanted to take a closer look at this week. First up is the announcement of the departure of Sophie Morgan from Mm. Celtic Dragons. I I don't know if people were necessarily shocked to hear about this as obviously we haven't seen her on court for a while and there's been no comms whatsoever about her. 
Her statement said on Instagram, quote, the extra training sessions recently added to the schedule with no additional support or leeway have made it impossible for me to continue due to my location and work commitments. Mm. I mean, how devastating is that? And although, you know, we obviously don't know all of the details or the context behind this, but I think this is a pretty stark reminder of how we're not yet a fully professionalized sport. Mm. And the fact that we are losing athletes such as Sophie in the UK's elite competition because of this fact is just heartbreaking. And I, I guess it's a reminder of how much our athletes sometimes have to sacrifice just to play the sport that they love. Another thing actually about this, we're connected to this, is about the lack of transparency that's still present within netball as a whole as well. You know, even just last week, we were discussing the reasons why the likes of Annika Lee Jones haven't received much court time. And then we learned in, you know, passing conversations in commentary that she actually had a groin injury. And I just kind of, I feel like, it's vital that for us to push forward as a sport, we have to become more open and transparent with fans and allow them to become true followers of the sport. You know, allow us to invest in clubs, in teams, in individual players by keeping us updated and informed. Mm. You know, I personally believe that it was probably only because the post-match interviewer from Sky directly asked Tanya whether we'd be seeing Sophie in upcoming games. Mm. And, and that's the reason why we actually got any kind of announcement at all. And I genuinely wonder whether there would have been anything said about her departure at all if Sky hadn't forced Dragon's hand. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we would have heard anything. I think she would have mm-hmm. quietly just gone. And, you know, if people hadn't been making the noise on social media and then forcing Sky to ask the question as well, like, would we have heard about it? The kind of mm. communication aspect is so tricky in netball because there's so much that's kind of kept in the dark. And I do think, though, we are seeing more of those kind of conversations coming to light and more things being talked about openly because that's the best way that you avoid sort of scandal and rumors and mm, things going on in the background. Yeah, mm. speculation, exactly. And I think that the questioning after the games has been really strong this year, particularly. And I yeah. maybe it's because we're seeing every game and we're able to have that experience of the post-match interviews. But another talking point that came out of this week was the conversation around physicality, which came mm. after the Stars Pulse game. And Melissa Bessel was sort of saying that she was <laughs> proud of her girls for playing against the physicality and almost making a bit of a suggestion that Pulse are being a bit too physical and that that was what cost stars the game. And it reminded me actually of the interview that Kat Ratnapala gave after the Mavericks-Rhinos game, where she sort of said, oh, there was a lot of body on body in this game and she was glad that she had 12 uninjured players. And that really surprised me that to hear this from Melissa Bessel as well. I think she said something like, oh, I just want to go and put the kettle on after this game. (laughs) And I mean, this sparked a lot of conversation online and after the match as well on the commentary. And Jess Thelby summarized it well by saying netball is non-contact, but fully contested. And there was Mm. a discussion as well with Ebony about preparing players for that level of physicality on the international stage. And I mean, we've mentioned a lot that netball is evolving and changing and how important strength and conditioning is becoming as part of our game. And it's obvious sometimes that 
players are potentially getting out-muscled. And I think that's mm. what was happening in the case of Roe and Adio. I don't know if that's what Melissa Bessel was referring to, but I imagine it probably was considering the number of penalties that Adio racked up. Yeah, I I was a bit shocked by Melissa's interview, in all honesty. And, you know, dare I say, I think she was being a tad dramatic. You know, I don't think re-watching the game that there was anything you know, overly physical with the Pulse players. You know, it was a, a very well contested, hard fought match. Like, don't get me wrong, it, it was a physical game, but not to the extent that Melissa was alluding to, I don't think. She was sort of insinuating that it was almost not very sporting in its nature. And I personally would disagree with that. And I think, like you say, there does need to be more of an emphasis on strength and conditioning. I think particularly for Georgia Rowe, you know, she's a fantastic netballer, but she does often get out muscled. So I think it's more a case that they need to muscle up rather than tell Impulse that they need to muscle down. And, you know, I have to say, as much as I adore the Stars players, Nia Jones did have a cheeky little elbow in there as well that I saw. And, you know, I do think they gave as, as good as they got, but the Pulse defenders just got the better of them. Yeah, I think there was also a bit of frustration as well from Melissa. I mean, if you think about that context of that game in relation to Stars and their season, that was one that she was probably expecting to win or at least to be, you know, really quite close. But I think there was just frustration from her. Yeah, It, it was an interesting one. But I do think, you know, the future of the VNSL will become a more physical nature. It it has to be, like Jess said, to prepare our athletes for the international stage. Exactly. And that's what it's like in domestic competitions that we see in SSN and ANZ as well. So it's the way that netball is going. Coming up, we'll be chatting to the wonderful Dr. Layla Gusgoth about her journey in netball and how she has progressed from her early netball days to being one of the most prolific defenders in the world, while maintaining her dual career as a doctor. It is our absolute pleasure to be joined by arguably one of the most high-achieving people in netball, known not only for her defensive dominance, but her dual career as a doctor. Leila Gusgif, a big welcome to the pod. Hello, thank you for having me. It's great (laughs) to be chatting with you guys. Thank you. How are you feeling after your game against Mavericks? It was an (laughs) incredible contest for us to watch at least. (laughs) Yeah, everyone said it was a great contest. It never feels like it when you're on the wrong side of the score. But it was a good reality check. And uh, Mavericks were really good, like super Mm. clinical with the ball in the most frustrating way, because I really (laughs) hate when I can't get my hands on the ball. Um, And so really clinical, really frustrating and really good. And I just think like we needed that test. And that's what we want in Super League. I think that those like really close contested games are really important for the league and really important for us all as players. So we will be stronger. This is what we keep telling ourselves. <laughs> we will come out a bit stronger. Um, and it's good to face that pressure now, really, because there's going to be way more games to come and they're going to be really tough in the second half of the season. Yeah, definitely. Better to have it earlier than later, for sure. And it was honestly one of the best games of netball that I've watched. It was so incredible. Um, So yeah, thanks for putting on a show. It was brilliant. (laughs) 
you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So we're really excited to get to know more about your journey to date and talk about your life both on and off the court. So to kick us off, can you tell us a bit about how you came to find netball? Was this something that you found through school or? Yeah, pretty much through school. So I started playing for like a little league when I was probably in year six and I was a goal attack then. And I went to secondary school and had a a really amazing PE teacher who saw very quickly that I was not a goal attack and (laughs) shoved me to the other end of the court. But she was really cool and she was someone that said to me that she thought I could go on to do more with netball and she was the person who kind of introduced me to the idea of regional and county level and helped get me into a club in Birmingham, um, which was a great club at the time. Beth Cobden played for that club as well. And yeah, it was from there really that I, I really found enjoyment with netball and kind of started to push through the ranks of it. And what age were you when you first started? So that was when I'd just gone to secondary school. So probably about 11, 11 or 12, I joined my first club and started playing kind of properly. Yeah, amazing. And then you discovered an interest in medicine during a hospital work experience placement in sixth form. Is that right? Yeah. So I I really thought I wanted to be a lawyer. um, And that was just... I don't even know why I wanted to be a lawyer. I think it was just I saw it on TV and they looked like they earned lots of money and it looked quite good. <laughs> um, and then I did work experience um, in Birmingham, which is where I was from, at the women's hospital with this really great obstetrician. And he took me into theatre and I just watched him deliver loads of babies. And I just thought it was the most amazing job. And it was after that that I thought, oh, that would be really great to do and really rewarding um, and just really exciting so that sparked my interest. Wow oh, I didn't realize that it that came from the placement rather than the placement being determined yeah. by your passion. Oh, no the, cool. the placement was quite random I just didn't really have anything else to do and someone came up to me one day a parent and was like do you want to come and do it with me? I said yeah sure so I went oh. along and, and really loved it and thought it was a, a great job and career. Yeah and obviously with medicine there is or anything in the NHS it's so reliant upon teamwork and I I think Natalie Seaton back in 2014 remarked that it's your teamwork that stands you personally uh, above the rest of the crowd so have you found that the the teamwork nature of netball has helped you in your doctoring career or or vice versa? Yeah massively and I think you're so right about especially in a hospital setting you you have to be able to work as a team and you you can't go out there alone in medicine and think that you're going to survive like patients need a multidisciplinary team but you also need the support so I think netball's really helped me from a medicine point of view to to think like that and I do think as part of a team and do try to help people and people try to help me and it's definitely the bit I love in netball as well like I like that you get to play with your mates and you you as a team get to hopefully dominate another team it's um it's lonely if you you go out there and you play by yourself it's far more fun to just feel like you're part of a unit yeah definitely I've always said that netball is actually the ultimate team sport because you know obviously you do have other team sports football basketball etc but netball is I believe the only one where you have no choice but to use every member or at least more than one member of the team in order to actually work the game so for me it's it's the ultimate team sport in that sense I think you're totally right and just the amount of like different strengths you can see like different body types different 
like just different traits and characteristics that people bring to the game I just love that it's such a varied sport and there's Mm. just kind of a place for everybody in it it's it's really good yeah definitely and then the first Super League club that you played for was Loughborough Lightning in 2009-2010 and then you went on to Hertfordshire Mavericks until 2016 so what was your experience like at both of those clubs? Oh, I loved both of those clubs. Loughborough is a really cool experience. Like I think I was I was just a child and I used to catch the bus to get lifts with Colette Thompson, who's now Aww. the Wasps assistant coach. He used to just <laughs> drive me everywhere with my little bus pass. But it was it was good. I think like Loughborough gave me a real idea of what it would take to be in the Super League. And I, I vividly remember having a game, I think we played against Surrey Storm and I think I'd, I'd played quite well and I'd got player of the match. And I was thinking, oh, you know, this isn't that hard in the big <laughs> league. And then I think it was against Rach Dunn and maybe a couple of weeks later we played them and she completely killed me. <laughs> Don't think I touched the ball. I think I was like, I'll play the whole game. And I just remember it just gave me a huge amount of perspective as to what it took to become as good as those guys. Yeah. Um, and then Mavericks was just where kind of all the foundation was laid for me and I just owe so much credit to all of the team at Mavericks and especially like Karen Atkinson and Maggie Jackson who I think took me in my like real infant days when I was in first year of medical school flapping around everywhere and just kind of (laughs) sat me down and said right how are we going to make this work how can you do medicine and how can you be a netballer and they're the ones who really I think helped me learn how to like structure my life how to balance everything how to train to the best of my ability with like short periods of time um but it was such a family when I was there and Mm. I felt really supported and really encouraged the whole way and I, I had a great six years there and um yeah just brilliant team to have played for yeah how amazing all of the things that netball can teach you that isn't about netball like there's so much that you learn from it that's so transferable to to other jobs or to just life in general I think that's the beauty of our sport for sure yeah definitely and I think people don't always realize that and I think it sometimes Mm. especially now feels like there has to be a a decision made and that's not necessarily just with academics or with sport but just with so many other things but the the skills are so transferable but it's hard to recognize that I think sometimes when you're in it yeah and as someone who's been involved in the Super League for uh, a number of years one thing that's become really evident to us as viewers is the change in the quality and, and the intensity of the league over the years so as someone who's been involved for quite some time can you tell us what it's like to ride that wave and to have to step up your game in line with the competition year after year after year yeah, it's really tough. And I think especially this season with the double headers and the back-to-back matches, you really have to be kind of in good shape physically, but also quite mentally robust to kind of back it up and mm-hmm. lose a game one day, win a game the next day and be able to kind of execute your game plans over and over again. I think the quality of Super League has kind of risen hugely since I first started. And I was thinking back to when I first started and I, I don't remember doing weights and things I was probably meant to but I don't remember <laughs> but now we have such a, a, a like well-planned routine and, and structure away from the court as well to supplement all of that and it's just becoming more and more professional which is exciting in, that mm. in this country yeah definitely sort of rivaling the likes of ANZ and, and SSN now yeah. I think we're not all the way there but we're certainly starting to rival it for sure 
And you obviously had your England debut during your time at Mavericks in 2012. And then you took a bit of a break from international netball around 2015 to 2018, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst I officially took a break in 2015, to be honest, I'd been in and out of selection and things in the years before that. And I probably had reached a stage, I'd say maybe in 2014, where I remember my university were saying that they wouldn't allow me the time off to go and play in a Commonwealth Games if I was selected for it, which I mean, may or may not have happened anyway. Mm. Um, But it it had already started to reach a stage where I realised that it was probably going to be quite challenging to play really at the top level of English netball um, Mm. and finish my degree. And then it just became a bit harder and a little bit harder. And then um, when the full-time programme was introduced, I thought it was like pretty much impossible then I just graduated hadn't worked as a doctor yet and just thought it would be really hard to have done those six years of medicine and and not gone into practicing so at that stage had a great chat with Tracy Nev who was the coach at the time and she was really supportive and great and she kept saying to me that she'd ask me every year to come back um And she did, bless her. She every year was just like, have you thought about coming back to the programme? And she was really supportive and and kept in contact with me over the years until 2018 when, yeah, I was at a stage in my career where I'd worked for a couple of years and thought that I could work a bit more on a part-time basis and invest a bit more into netball. Mm. And speaking about the balancing of, of netball and doctoring, what's key for you in managing two such intense workloads not just physically but but mentally and emotionally like how do you balance two such demanding jobs I've thought about this a lot recently actually because um I've started a new job a couple of months ago and I'm in intensive care at the moment and Mm -hmm. I'm working full-time and it's probably the first time in a couple of years that I've worked full-time and played netball I did that in 2000 oh gosh 2017 and 18 but over the last couple of years with going to Suncorp or being injured it's kind of been one or the other and so it's certainly been a big transition coming back into full-time work and netball and there's some really challenging weeks I had a really difficult week last week where it's really Mm -hmm. hard to leave the hospital and forget about the things that you've seen or things that you've had to discuss with people and then go to netball training. But I think I've found talking to people is just a really good way of doing it. I try to like just write things down to try and just kind of bin them and end them. So if something's been really difficult to try and just write it down and just have it there and then try and get rid of it and see if I can move on. But the two of them do really help each other in a way. I left work on Friday feeling really miserable and then went to netball and felt really miserable because we lost. But (laughs) at least you feel miserable about something else. And so um, they, they take, they distract from each other is what I'm trying to say. So they do complement each other. The focus that you have to put into each individual one, you can't really be occupying the other thing in your mind at the time. So one thing comes in and one thing goes out and and that does help for me. Do you find that, it, that transition, does it ever get a bit lonely to know that you're going into an environment with netball and all of those guys are kind of concerned with netball and you're leaving your environment where you're with doctors and everyone in there kind of knows that story? Like, d- does that transition kind of ever make you feel sort of 
like, oh, I'm, I'm really stuck in the middle of this. I'm, I'm sort of on my own in it. No, it's okay, actually. And I think I've got people around me and like good friends within netball that I think are really supportive and can can tell if it's been a tough day and it doesn't happen very often medicine there's a lot of good days as well as a few more challenging days but I do certainly have people that can like probably identify and help out a little bit if a little bit of distractions needed a little bit of a joke Serena Guthrie is always a good one to just (laughs) cheer you up with some random randomness so there's yeah there's certainly people who are there to to help me out if I need it yeah netball hashtag netball family (laughs) (laughs) so if we fast forward a little bit to 2019 your co-captain of Adelaide Thunderbirds playing out in SSN is the dream for almost every young netballer growing up and watching the likes of you play on tv gives them something to aspire to what was that moment like stepping on court for the first time in, in what is arguably the world's best netball competition? Yeah, it was really good. And it was something that happened really quickly for me. So I'd never thought about playing in Suncorp. Like I never thought I'd be good enough to play at all. Like it was Jeeva and Joe oh, and Serena wow. and all the really, really good people. And so <laughs> I just would have never put myself kind of on that level at all. And so when I got an offer, I actually was really hesitant about whether to take it because I just didn't think I'd be good enough and that's really stupid and I'm really glad that I did take it because those opportunities don't come around very often and when it was it was a really good experience it was so different to anything that I'd experienced back home um Mm. being a full-time netballer for the first time for me I lived with Beth Cobden and Shamira Sterling and me, like me and Beth just used to go to the beach all the time when we weren't training and <laughs> just lived a really nice life for a bit and yeah stepping out for the first game was awesome and I think the the whole like production in Australia is really impressive and the TV and the crowds and the newspapers and all the coverage it's there's a real hype about it so it was a real honour to be named as co-captain and something I really didn't expect, but it was just a really cool experience to be part of that league. Yeah. I mean, to think that you thought, you thought that you weren't good enough for that league is yeah. baffling. Yeah, thanks, Lucy. I really did. <laughs> You're just extraordinary. <laughs> so sticking with 2019, of course, it's the Netball World Cup and that dreaded Achilles injury. I have yeah. to say, like, I was utterly devastated to see you hobble off the court and when you mouthed the words it's my Achilles oh my god that was just devastating and Mm. the fact that it was made even worse because it was so early in the competition as well Mm. when something as impactful as this happens and you have to work your way through rehab and recovery and whatnot how do you avoid to come into those negative thoughts and pondering the shoulda woulda couldas yeah it's really tough actually and the um the two weeks post my injury were totally fine and Mm. I remember just thinking like I feel fine about this like it's rubbish but like I feel fine but a lot of that was I was still at the World Cup like I went down to London to have my art but then I came back up and the team was so inclusive I had this little mobility scooter that I like rode around Liverpool with (laughs) and so so I was having a really good time I was like a fan I was watching the games I was clapping everyone on And so I think I'd disengaged as a player quite quickly and was just enjoying the World Cup, which was a really great experience anyway. And I hadn't been to anything like that before. 
And then the real difficulty is the period after. And I think it's Mm. definitely a couple of months in where you're still like not seeing any progress. You're still healing and you've not really started the actual rehab journey. And that's where the negative thoughts do settle in. And we're really lucky at England Netball, like we have access to sports psych and a lot of us that have been injured, which has been a few of us recently. For me, I just learned to accept some of those negative thoughts. Like you are going to worry about whether you'll come back as fit or as strong, or you do worry about whether you'll do it again. And they're, they're all really normal thoughts, but how I could rationalize them and turn them into something more productive. So for me, it was like worrying if I do it again, what did I feel I needed to feel like to not worry about that? What strength scores? How could I work with the S&C and how could I just feel a bit more comfortable? And so I think I learned to accept the negative thoughts, but try and flip them into how it could be constructive to help me with my rehab and get back. Yeah, I think that's really insightful and, and probably quite inspirational to you know, all the players or the young girls out there who have gone through an injury and are trying to rehab themselves back through having those kind of tools, you know, accepting those negative thoughts and then finding a way to move past it. That's that's probably quite helpful for a lot of listeners. So thank you for that little nugget of information. <laughs> it is really challenging though. And it's something I think I was really fortunate or unfortunate, but at the time, um, Beth Cobden had done her ACL and mm. Jodie Gibson was still out with her knee and we've all grown up together and so I think we saw a lot of comfort in communicating with each other and realizing we we all kind of shared those thoughts with completely different injuries but we all worried about the same things and finding a support network and and talking about those things really helpful because you're not alone in thinking them at all. Yeah definitely. So going back to your dual career, there's so much talk about your dual career, rightly so, because it's so impressive. You, of course, came back to the UK to help in the fight against COVID when the delay to the 2020 SSN season was announced. And, you know, we think that this speaks volumes about you as a person and your character working on the front line and also continuing your training in your you know small amount of time off that you have. What would you say have been the biggest challenges during this time? Yeah, that that was a challenge. Um, I think. I think that's um, an understatement. <laughs> yeah. in that. You're so yeah. modest. That was, that was a challenge, you know. Yeah, it was a it was a strange experience. I think, like you say, I'd, I'd been released by my club, so I, I was aware that I had to keep training, and I still wasn't back from my Achilles, and so it was a really tough challenge trying to balance what I needed to do from a training perspective training on random car parks and stuff as I'm sure lots of people did Um, but doing that and then obviously going to work and it's quite consuming and draining and just very different to what we've all been used to before so it, it, it was a it was a big challenge from that point of view and I think the normal things that you have as outputs or releases I know that sport can be for work but just seeing your friends or going for dinner and things that we all love doing when they get taken away from you I think I learned a lot about how the other things I needed to do to be a bit more mindful and not just go from work to netball from work to netball which I always thought I did but actually it would be work to netball then see a friend for dinner and do these little things that are interspersed that keep your mind healthy so I think for me there were definitely periods especially kind of towards the end of the first wave where I felt kind of a bit exhausted by it all and realized that I 
hadn't probably been looking after myself from a, a mind point of view as much as I needed to. So learned a lot about how to do that. Started painting by numbers. That was my my little outlet. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, just just finding ways to to look after yourself a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think mine's been Pilates actually. Oh, that's a good. And having one. that yoga, like everyone needs something, you know, when everything else has been stripped away from you for sure. In doing the research for this episode, I was absolutely blown away by testaments to your character and your natural leadership ability from other members of the netball community. And you've demonstrated this really strong leadership throughout your career, obviously captaining the England under-17, under-19s, Hertfordshire Mavericks in 2016, Thunderbirds 2019, and you've got a wealth of accolades to your name. What do you think it is about you that makes you so well-suited to leadership? That is a really hard question. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Gotta stop being so modest now. <laughs> no. So I think I think I work hard. So I think I always want to be the best like I can be. And I think I've I've been told that people think that that can be inspirational or like good leadership qualities. But I, I think I just like I think it comes back to the teamwork thing that you said at the start a little bit. Like I do really like being part of a team and I do like making sure everyone's okay and like being a source of comfort for people. And so I think that that that's something that people like in teams that I've led before. And yeah, I think that was, that would probably be it. That's a really hard question, Lucy. I think I'm sorry. <laughs> It's interesting you say being a source of comfort because that's also a big part of your role as a doctor. Mm. So that's another parallel that's kind of bringing across there. Yeah, yeah. And I think like empathy is a big part of being a doctor, I guess. You you do certainly feel for the situations that you're in. And um, yeah, that probably is something that transfers into netball and just want to make sure your teammates are all right, really, and everyone's doing okay. Yeah. Oh, you're so lovely. <laughs> so final question to wrap it up and it's another biggie I'm afraid so sorry about that what does the future look like for Leila Guskov both in and out of netball okay so this season I would love team Bath to win the Super League so I last and the only time I won the league was in 2011 so 10 years on would love to do it again with this team iconic Um, love it for me personally, I I really want to make the Commonwealth Games team. I feel like in the kind of 18 months after my injury, I I felt really, I didn't feel like myself and I, I felt like I just wasn't where I wanted to be. And I think in the, the last kind of few weeks of the Super League starting, I've started to feel better and I've started to feel a bit more like how I, I think I can play. Um, and I just want to keep building and I just want to be a really legitimate option for Jess Thurlby when she's picking that squad whenever it is next year and I'd love to be there. Um, and then from a work point of view, I'm, I really want to be an anaesthetist and work in intensive care and so that's the job that I'm in at the moment. So just getting more experience with that really and just keep kind of building and trying to learn new things every day. It's Every day is learning day in the hospital, that's for sure. So just uh, keep learning and keep growing in that space. Yeah, and in life, I would argue, every day is a school day in some way, shape or form. 
Oh, Layla, it's been such a pleasure to chat to you and just brilliant to hear your insight and get to know more about you as a person, as a player and as a doctor. So thank you so much for being so generous in your answers. It's been lovely to talk to you. No problem. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for this podcast. It's so great to have an English netball podcast. I know we've had a couple, but you guys are doing an awesome job as well. So thank you for that. Oh, I promise we haven't paid her to say that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Layla. No problem. What an amazing conversation we just had. Layla oh. is such an inspiration, isn't she? Man, I'm just blown away. I She was just incredible to talk to and so so generous in her experiences and her challenges. And yeah, she was just brilliant to chat to. What a guest. I think what else is really strikes me is how humble she is. I mean, mm. she has done amazing, incredible things, both in her career as a doctor and on the netball court. And she's just like, yeah, you know, I just want to do my best every day. It's like, oh my God, you're yeah. so precious. It was oh. challenging. Yeah, yeah, it was challenging, <laughs> of course. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and she'd absolutely be my pick for the Commonwealth Games. Jess Thelby, if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I, I just I think can't she'd imagine be most people's picks, to be honest. Um, I actually think that may, I, I guess maybe it's because she's a doctor as well, but she mm. she's an England captain to me. You know, that, oh. her personality and her skill on the court. So Easy. who knows? A massive thank you to Layla again, and a huge thank you to you guys for tuning in to episode nine. We cannot wait to come back next week with another awesome guest, and of course, more great netball chat. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Quarter Time Pod for the latest netball updates. Get involved in the conversation online by tagging us in your three word summaries of the games and letting us know which players have stood out for you each week using the story template in our Instagram highlights. Enjoy the upcoming double header and see you next week. Bye. <laughs>